from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined as always by Brian Peroni, coming off a big win for Texas A&M over the weekend. They beat Miami 17-9. Brian, how are you doing today? This is certainly a a lot better circumstances than when we last spoke. Oh, for sure. I mean, all these games keep ending at like midnight, but yeah, it was much, uh, much better to cover uh, this time around than after that uh, Appalachian State game. So, um, and I think... Obviously, the game, we'll talk about this, obviously, but the game, you know, didn't go exactly the way that fans would have hoped, you know, the win. But, you know, at this point of year, a win is a win. And, you know, you want momentum going into this next bit of schedule. So uh, A&M fans should be pretty optimistic, I think, at this point. And then we'll get into, you know, some of the recruiting fallout, too. I mean, it, they did all that in front of a ton of recruits, a third biggest crowd in Cowfield history. So uh, big weekend altogether. And, I mean, it went well. No doubt. And I think, honestly, you could kind of sense this in the press conference today, talking with Jimbo Fisher. It just allowed everybody a chance to breathe. You know, the questions weren't about play calling. Is he going to be giving up play calling? Is he going to be dealing with this? You know, they did have to kind of deal more with the fallout of the the four suspended players, which we'll get into, uh, that they were missing on, on Saturday night. And just all the challenges, I think this win kind of allows – the program a chance to settle back in for a week of practice now a big week another challenging opponent in Arkansas uh, coming up on Saturday at AT&T Stadium but really felt like a must win and AM got the job done they did what they needed to do it wasn't pretty there's still things that they need to work on Jimbo Fisher certainly talked about that today but it buys you another week and, and gives you a chance to keep growing yeah for sure I mean last week was just sort of a a perfect storm at AM, you know, coming off a loss to an Appalachian State team. You lose college game day. Not only do you lose college game day, it goes to uh, Boone, North Carolina, to the team that that beat you. You know, you have a, all this off the field stuff. Then you have the four freshmen suspended. And you're just like, you know, what is, you know, you have a quarterback change that, you know, who knows, was he pressured into making that just because, you know, the fans were, you know, who knows, you know, if, if they really thought it, but it worked out, you know, I mean, the offense wasn't high powered or anything, but did look better under Max Johnson. So, yeah, you do, you know, I, if there would have been a loss, uh, this, it would have been bad, you know, cause you would add two in a row sitting at one and two headed into this stretch on the road. So yeah, it was huge. And I mean, you mentioned the questions weren't about play calling and, and stuff like that. Well, let's say A&M wins a couple more in a row. They will be, you know, if the offense keeps looking like this, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you can ask, uh, you know, things are much better than they were a week ago. But if uh, if the offense still remains stagnant, 
You know, I, people are joking on Twitter how they want to see A&M play Iowa, you know, just because neither team <laughs> yeah. can seem to do anything with the ball. So, yeah, if the offense keeps looking like that, it, I mean, he will continue to be asked about about play calling and hiring OC. I think we saw somebody started a thread on, on the board on Sunday, I believe, saying, hey, is it possible to win out and also get, uh, get an offensive coordinator? I think, you know, that's <laughs> – you know, it's like sad when you got to pick one or the two to root for if you, you know, if you think that that Jimbo should bring in a play caller. But no, I, I think it is actually possible to win out and and say, hey, maybe, you know, bring somebody in that is a lot more involved in calling plays. No doubt, because you can kind of sit back in the offseason and say, OK, we we got our nine, ten win season. And, and now where do we go from here as we as we try to take that next step? If you're the coaching staff towards a a playoff push and even today Jimbo Fisher talked about being close on a, in a lot of areas and feeling like they were close on making big plays I don't think fans really want to hear that side of things they just want to see the big plays at this point and 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 kind of see that downfield passing game you mentioned Max Johnson and and he did get the start on on Saturday yeah. night against Miami the stat line's not probably going to blow you away 10 of 20 for 140 yards and a touchdown he also had a couple scrambles for for 24 yards, no, he had one touchdown and, and no no turnovers, which I think is the key stat line for the night. For me, just look, watching the game and, 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 and seeing the differences between the two, I don't know what you thought. I just thought there was more poise to the offense. It just looked more in control. It, it looked like a guy who's had a chance to run an offense and go through yeah. an SEC slate. It wasn't perfect, but, but that's just the sense that I got kind of watching him. Yeah, it's sort of hard to separate, you know, all of the issues that have changed because you also had Bryce Foster in there uh, for the yep. first time, which the run game looked – the run game, again, was not, you know, perfect. But, you know, I, uh, a chain came close to 100 yards, you know, had some nice runs. So the run game got going, and so that opened up the passing game as well. So it's hard to really separate all that. But, yeah, just the first drive. I mean, when they went down and, and got down in the red zone, I mean, I know it stalled and they had to settle for a field goal, but – the first drive alone showed a, you know, it just, it was a different looking offense. I mean, he sat back and yeah, he took three sacks in that first half, but you know, he sat back, wasn't getting rid of the ball right away, was looking for guys open. And uh, you know, he was finding pretty much Anaya Smith. I mean, they were missing, you know, Evan Stewart. And then, you know, really there just aren't a ton of other game breakers in the rush. He did get Donovan green on that first drive. I think that really was the only time that they involved the tight end though. They need to get the tight end involved, but, but yeah, the offense just, it just looked better. It seemed like he had a better, you know, command of it and maybe, you know, going along once, you, you know, he'll have the receivers back this week. He'll have Evan Stewart and uh, Chris Marshall back, which will be big. Um, you know, so just, you know, maybe going along throughout the year, I, you know, you're going to see improvements and it just, I mean, at least gave fans a little bit of hope after, I mean, that offense against Appalachian State was just, you know, it was just lackluster. And it just really, there were no signs of, of life to give, you know, any kind of optimism. Whereas I think at least the first drive last week or this weekend showed optimism. No doubt. I kind of look at that first, I think it was that first third and long they had where he stuck in the pocket and found, I believe it was Anaya Smith on the on the left-hand side and, and delivered a nice ball where he could get upfield and, and be able to get a first down. It's balls like that, the ball placement, being able to, give Anaya Smith a chance to run after the catch, I thought was big. And and you mentioned not having Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall. They just don't have a lot of guys who can create separation. And and that was the part for me that that made 
it tough sledding in the passing game was there's just not a lot of open guys. Some of those underneath routes that Evan Stewart was so open on, I kept thinking, man, if Evan Stewart was in this game and and they could kind of give yeah. him a chance to run after the catch, you know, it would make a huge difference. But otherwise, you know, Chase Lane and and guys like that have a veteran presence, but they just don't create a lot of separation. And and on some of those throws. There's just not a ton of passing lanes. And, and you're right. I thought the offensive line was better at times. Uh, struggled to protect a little bit in the second half as well. I, I, you know, it got some things going in the running game, though, certainly with, with Devon Achain and especially on that right side of the offensive line. It just didn't feel like Max Johnson had a lot of time to, 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 to find guys and be able to go deep. And looking ahead to Arkansas, everybody br- brought up the fact that Arkansas is the last string pass defense and you know some of the big plays that they've given up from 20 and 40 yards A&M's going to need to protect better to be able to take advantage of that yeah. to be able to find guys downfield otherwise it's not going to matter and so heading into SEC play that's that's one of the big things I kind of look at is is between this week and next week you know being able to continue giving more time on the uh, on the along the offensive line I think both fronts still need to get better as well oh, yeah. switching switching gears to the defensive side no touchdowns, hold Miami to just nine points, but still gave up 175 yards on the ground and 4.4.9 yards for Pop, and and you know they still can do a little bit better winning that that line of scrimmage battle. Oh no, for sure. You know uh, I liked what I saw from Shamar Stewart. I know you know against his yeah. hometown team, a true freshman, uh, LT Overton had some nice plays, and then Albert Regis. Like you know fans, I think he's probably the low lowest rated defensive tackle on the team, you know, and come, you know, as far as recruiting rankings, he's, uh, he's definitely the shortest one, you know, the least physically imposing. And yet, you know, he's out there, he blocks the kick. He had a tip pass. I mean, it was just sort of just all over, uh, all over the place. So, you know, you got a guys like him, but yeah, you really need Walter Nolan back McKinley Jackson back. Um, the one stat I did see, uh, I think A&M leads the country in fewest, uh, fewest missed tackles. A&M's only missed two tackles all year in three games. All right, okay. so I've been watching A&M since, you know, early 90s, uh, maybe late late 80s. And, yeah, the Wrecking Crew, you know, for a few years was really, really good. But outside of that, I mean, I've seen a lot of missed tackles from uh, from Texas A&M mm-hmm. over the years, no matter who the coach was. R.C. Slocum, Dennis Franchione, you know, uh, uh, Sherman, Mike Sherman, uh, Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo Fisher. I've seen a lot of missed tackles. You know, the fact they only have two all season, I started thinking about it. I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, these guys, sometimes they are getting, you know, yards after the catch or they're hitting the edge on runs and, and getting after. But, yeah, they're at least breaking down and making that tackles, maybe sometimes making the tackle a little too well, like Damani Richardson. I know that fans are up in arms over that. I mean, technically, you know, it does – did fall into the – you know, the that. But, uh, man, that was a big hit. I – like – I made a joke on Twitter that I thought I woke the neighbor's kids up. But I, <laughs> it was it was pretty loud. I mean, I was, oh, yeah. like, I mean, it was just, I mean, that was a good hit. But, I mean, yeah, these guys are 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 doing that. And that's that's really key. In the SEC, you can't miss tackles. You've got to stop the guy when you, you know, at first contact. So that's a, that stat's pretty telling to me. And I, and that play with Damani Richardson so tough. I was having a, having a conversation with with a with a Texas A&M friend as well and and one of the things he asked and it's a very good question that I think a lot of people ask is how are you how are you supposed to teach people to to tackle in such a fast moving game i mean that was a great hit and 
you know, it's just tough because it's, you know, the body sometimes changes, the angle changes a little bit, and the game's just moving so fast. And so that's what makes plays like that so tough. I get the point of the rule, and and certainly, you know, once they started showing the the crown hitting the, hitting the helmet, it made sense, but it's just such a tough call. And, oh, for sure. you know, it came at probably the worst time it could possibly come for, for A&M. We mentioned the, the four guys suspended two of them were in the defensive backfield and Denver Harris and smoke Bowie. And so you're now without Denver Harris, you're without smoke Bowie, you're without Brian George, without Damani Richardson. And then late in the game, you lose Antonio Johnson. Um, and you know, that defensive backfield was just not, there weren't a lot of bodies back there. Jared Kerr stepped up in a big way. Can we big talk about, can to, we talk about Bryce Anderson? Right? I was about to say, oh my goodness. To, big shout outs go to, Jalen Jones and Bryce Anderson, who stepped yeah. up in, a, I thought, a big way, and especially Bryce Anderson stepping up in a huge moment as a true freshman, and the way that he played was it was outstanding. And so, I mean, he had, you know, yeah, big, he had eight, eight, eight tackles. Jalen Jones eight had tackles. nine nine tackles. Both of them had career highs. Obviously, it's only the third game for Bryce, but he hadn't seen a ton of action in the first two games no, outside of special teams. So, you know, just throw him in there to the fire. Oh, I mean, he it was he did great. I mean, I think you're going to see him. He made it hard to keep him out of the lineup when uh, when all those guys are back. No doubt. We, we'd heard a lot about in the preseason about Jacoby Matthews and heard a lot about Jordan Gilbert and some of those guys. Uh, Bryce Anderson's really stepped up into that mix as well. And you mentioned missed tackles. There was one in particular, especially with the, those Miami backs are tough to bring down. There's a lot of speed and a lot of wiggle to those guys. And you just saw the way the form that Bryce Anderson had on some of those tackles, not to be able to miss tackles was big and and to step up in a big way in a in a big moment when AM really, really needed it was huge. And I, I think that's the part about the defense that you have to keep in mind is this was one of those efforts you just had to gut out. They were guys dead tired. Again, AM was on the field for for way too much. You know, Miami had twenty seven first downs to sixteen for AM, controlled the ball for thirty four minutes. You know, it the AM defense was just I, I, on the a, field. It's too a huge much. improvement. So 34 <laughs> minutes, only 34. I mean, this is a team under Jimbo Fisher that has dominated time of possession. Now we're talking about, oh, only 34 to 26. That's not bad at all. Yeah, I I did see the 50, you know, 50 plus plays. And the, oh, they still ran that. 77 plays. I didn't realize that. 77, 77 plays. To, but 52 to 30. They only had 38 last week. So the offense, man, they got 52. And that 16 play drive late in the game, late in the fourth, yeah. end of the fourth quarter was, was just really, really taxing. And that's where you could see this defense start to, to kind of wear down. Tyreek Chappelle had to go off with what looked like cramps. And, you know, it's, it's, I think Jimbo Fisher would say it's it's steady it's it's a steady climb right now. They got to win the turnover battle and it's or they got to win the time of possession battle and it's not going to get any easier against Arkansas because that's literally the way Arkansas yeah yeah, yeah is control the time of possession, run the football and and go from there. So it's going to be a great test when they face Arkansas later. This it's got to be Iowa Houston. in the bowl game, right? Like they have it's to get be Iowa. Somebody's got to hook them up with Iowa in that bowl game. <laughs> it's got to it's got to be Iowa. I saw Notre Dame as 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 you know one projected matchup was thinking are they just trying to project like two top 10 teams that that have had bad starts to the season ucla almost got a sunbelt loss over the weekend got lucky that boy that that, you want to we'll talk about the crowd at kyle field later in the day i saw a picture of what it looked like at ucla and someone mentioned you know with a&m having ucla's running back commit on campus boy you, you you that's a heck of a recruiting pitch right there to kind of look at the two 
fan bases and say, which one do you, would you rather play yeah, for? for? Sure. And, and it shouldn't be a hard question. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a good test for A&M now as they kind of get into SEC play. The gauntlet gets started. It starts with Arkansas, road game in Mississippi State, road game in Alabama, and road game in South Carolina. We're going to find a lot out about A&M over the next five, six weeks. And The until, South Carolina uh, game does get... not seem as tough as when we were talking a couple weeks yeah, ago. Now, I don't want to say Spencer Rattler. I mean, Spencer Rattler is a good player, and they have some good yeah. players on offense, but – they have, I mean, just to be they kind, have they have not not been good. So, you know, that's that's you know everybody expecting them to be. I mean, I think they were either ranked or at least close to being ranked to start the year. So it was expected to be a pretty tough game, and it, they always they're always going to play in them pretty well. But I mean, it's yeah. at least you can breathe a little bit. And then watching Mississippi State's offense struggle and lost to LSU over the weekend once again, you, you never want to take Mike Leach, you know, for granted or say, hey, that's a win, but. It seems like this stretch has gotten a little bit easier. Even Arkansas losing to uh, Missouri State. They had to score 21 points in the fourth quarter to beat Missouri State. Oh, man, if they would have lost to Petrino, that'd be like, you know, Sumlin (laughs) bringing Arizona to A&M and and winning at A&M. You know, it's just like, you know, it would have been unacceptable. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those tricky things when you bring back a former coach like that. You knew knew they were going to bring out every stop and – and, you know, I was even talking with with a friend about what if, uh, you know, would you rather have Arkansas coming off a loss to Missouri State kind of in the same realm as, as A&M coming in fired up? Or would you rather have them squeak by and, and still have issues? And so, you know, looking at that score, that's one I was keeping it in. UTSA was up 17 to 7 on, on Texas. And we yeah. know, you know, they were members of the Texas coaching staff that were certainly looking to kind of prey off the A&M. Appalachian State loss and was kind of thinking to myself, you know, kind of got caught looking ahead a little bit, the, the, you know, from UTSA who came in and had all the stops pulled out in the first half as well. But, you know, they, oh, Jeff, Jeff Trailer is a heck of a coach down there, man. And heck I like sort of, of the swagger. I did you see the, they had uh, their uniform reveal. They did it on Texas campus. Like, yep, they filmed they sure it all did. in Austin. Like, can you, okay, if Miami would have done that, like, in their uniforms, like standing next to like the E. King Gill statue or whatever Kyle Field, fans would have just. It's, I, mean, I love it. Like, uh, you know, I just, I just, I love the pettiness of college football. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's great. Like, there's nothing like it. So I like how they did it. Would have absolutely, and you know, you even talk about pettiness. You know, I know you and I both saw over the weekend Michigan pointing out about the Washington. Oh yeah. About the Washington loss for Michigan State and and screenshotting their box score for playing Washington last season. That was that was some supreme supreme pettiness that that I'm I'm all for it. So um, you know it's it it's it's what makes this time of the year fun and um, you know we'll we'll see we'll see how this week goes coming 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 back to play Arkansas and and heading on away from Kyle Field for the first time. We are going to talk a little more about Kyle Field though after the break and. Uh, A&M, as we mentioned earlier, had a huge recruiting weekend with just about every top target you can imagine in town for for the week. And and we'll touch on that coming out out of this quick break. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined again by Brian Peroni. Brian, it was a huge weekend on the recruiting trail for AM. Just about every top target you can imagine, from Jeremiah Love to Peyton Bowen, Jalen Brown. David Hicks came back on the campus, which I'm I'm sure the AM staff was certainly glad about. What sort of impact do you think a game like this can have on recruiting for AM? There was obviously so much talk during the week about it. Well, I mean, I think everybody remembers the Alabama game last year and how loud mm-hmm. Kyle Field was getting the win there. And then the momentum that came from that when they had a ton of people. I mean, this can be like that. Yeah, the win wasn't, you know, quite as impressive as, you know, when they were just able to sort of move the ball at will against Alabama last year. But it was a win. It was against the top uh, 15 team, um, you know, crazy loud crowd, third biggest cu- crowd in Kyle Field history. And, I mean, you could you could hear it on the TV. You could hear it. I mean – People, people were raving about that. So I think it's big. I mean, one person it definitely had to have had uh, a, a big, you know, notice was Roderick Robinson. You know, we talked before the break about the UCLA commit, you know, running back from San Diego. He was on campus. Uh, he was with his uh, coach, his offense coordinator, his former A&M wide receiver, uh, uh, Carter. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he was, he's, he was from Jason Carter from Caldwell. Uh, you know, he's the OC there. So he was back in college station with Roderick. He had probably told him, hey, it's going to be loud, but I don't think you really can prepare somebody for that, especially as we were talking, you know, a kid that's committed to UCLA and has been to the Rose Bowl and seen, you know, people sitting on their hands, they're all 20,000 of them. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think it's, it's going to have a big, uh, uh, you know, usually it pays off in the next couple of classes, but I think there were some guys that had to have noticed, like Roderick Robinson or Tony Mitchell, you know, an Alabama commit. This is his second time back, the five star since being uh, since making his commitment to Alabama. And I think you'll probably see him return on an official. But, uh, you know, he was able to see that and see how loud it is and see, uh, you know, how I mean, I think Josh Pate talked about it. You know, it's like they ain't them crowd. You know, they could have from last week. They could have, ah, you know mailed it in for the season but you know they showed up and everybody was camping out and in front of uh, the ticket pool window I mean AM crowd showed up and I think recruits are going to be really impressed by that yeah talking with you know sources who even uh, on campus for the first time and just getting their first look at the program you know starting to get the messages back that just said man this place is really nice like this is this is a really great spot and and you know one of the big things talking with parents coming into the weekend a lot of them said, hey, I want my kid to go to a place that they feel like they're supported at. And I feel like that's yeah. A&M sent the perfect message in, in that regard that hey, even after a terrible loss to, to Appalachian State, 107,000 fans are going to show up the next week. They're going to root for you just the same. Jimbo Fisher talked about it today. He said, you know, he doesn't refer to A&M fans as fans. He refers to them as family and said they stick in your corner and, and they're there regardless, just like family is through the tough end 
through the tough times and the good times. And you can imagine if he's making that comment in a press conference, yeah, that yeah, is one hundred percent the message. Yeah. Everything he might have he might have used those words a few times. So yeah, he's he's yeah, got that, this that, that, down. that phrase might have been used a couple times. And I even look at a guy like Peyton Bowen who you know, I, I talked to him before the Appalachian State game, and we were talking about the 19 young, you know, the 19 freshmen that played, and he said, you know, it, it kind of backs up the message that the A&M staff has that, you know, you have a chance to come in and, and play as a freshman if you if you do everything you need to do. And I think it to see a guy like Bryce Anderson, like we talked about, and some of those young players come in and be able to contribute right away, it helps solidify that message, and I think that's the big thing to take away from this weekend and and the crowd just really really helps in that regard as well kind of lead that last message heading into heading into this long stretch now oh no for sure and then you know you had a five-star receiver from uh fort lauderdale who was in town akeem williams who is also looking at florida state at georgia a couple others um you know so a and m wants to land him he's announcing this week so you got the last chance at him he got to see that crowd. I mean, he's been to campus before uh, multiple times, but yeah. he got to see that crowd. Okay, the passing game wasn't great, but he saw it made improvements. And it's probably like, uh, you know, hey, if somebody out there, you know, if they would have had somebody to stretch the field, they would have done even better. Well, who can stretch the field? Maybe a big old wide, big old fast wide receiver like Hakeem Williams. You know, he's a, you know, if you put him and Evan Stewart out there you know that could be really dangerous so i think uh yeah it definitely helps and i think you know AM did basically as best as it could in its final uh you know getting the final shot at akeem before he announces but uh, there's always going to be questions and and but the you'd rather you'd rather be able to build off those questions after a win in a moment like that especially with a guy like akeem williams and you know the, the momentum with florida state i think AM really had to counter it because he was just on campus or just in town in the building a couple weeks ago to watch Florida State beat LSU. So if you're A&M, this is kind of your chance to counter it in a great environment with a great fan base. And I think they did all they could. And and to have you know a couple a couple South Florida guys on the field making an impact, even to see a guy like Keith Brown out of out there and, oh, yeah. and be able to and see. Sh- I mean, Gables Shamar Stewart. We talked about Shamar Stewart to see him out there playing early. Regardless of the sides of the ball, it just backs up A&M's message about if you come here, you'll have a chance. And the other guy I think it really helps with is 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 David Hicks. You know, we've we've talked about him getting him back on campus for another weekend was yeah, just two, big. Two, two, week, two weekends to, in a row. Two weekends in a row, and and to be able to leave leave a better taste in his mouth, as it seems like he might have a decision sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was originally a guy that was going to wait until January probably to make a decision. But, you know, Oklahoma's still probably, you know, going to be tough to beat on the, in that regard. But to be able to, sh- to counteract some of those, those messages about, well, you know, you're not going to be able to play as a, as a young player because of all the defensive linemen that they've recruited, it, to have a chance to see it in person, I think certainly helps as much as A&M can with, with that one as well. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing, yeah, yeah, the, this, the true freshman class is really good defense alignment, but you're seeing Fidel Diggs out there a ton. You're seeing Albert Regis out there a ton. You're seeing Isaiah Rakes out there a ton. I mean, there are other linemen that are playing, and so, you know, their they're playing time, if you show up and you perform, playing time's available. So, yeah, I think with Hicks, though, maybe if you see him delay it a bit, you know, maybe if he goes back to his original, you know, announcing time. I think even if he commits, a going, I don't think, they will keep working on him, you know, 
Yeah. Will he keep listening? I'm sure he'll at least be in contact still, but even if he commits to Oklahoma uh, in October. But yeah, I think best case scenario would be, hey, he waits, uh, you know, he'd just say, hey, A&M's got a little more, you know, to offer, you know, a little better landing spot than I thought. So, so yeah, that's, uh, and they've got to have at least put that, uh, that in his mind. I know that his family had a, a real good time on the visit. I think it helps. They realize how close it is. I mean, I think this was their homecoming weekend and yet, you know, he was able to make, you know, sort of just a quick trip to, to college station Saturday night, they pulled up, you know, not, not too long before kickoff and yeah, just make that quick trip and they can do that. I mean, his dad's a high school coach, so you can't leave early in the week for, you know, games that are a long way away. So yeah, if he can just make that short drive on Saturdays, I mean, yeah, keep selling that. And you did see a DJ here and mentioned that, this week is a, the proximity to home and how close it is to home is as a big thing A&M has going for it. And I can yeah. guarantee you they're going to continue to, to remind them about that. And, and A&M and Oklahoma have certainly been locked in some battles the past few years that you haven't seen A&M relent come September. They've, they've continued to stay in it until the very end. Bryce Foster and Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy are two that come to mind that A&M's been able to come out on top. And so, you know, you're certainly going to see them continue to plug away there, but it uh, doesn't hurt to come away with a, a win like they did on Saturday night. And, you know, it wouldn't be a shock to see a lot of these guys back when A&M has some bigger home games later in the year. The, uh, the, the, the schedule is kind of backloaded with LSU, Florida, and Ole Miss. I would expect yeah. those to all be really big recruiting weekends. So it's going to be it's, – it's still a long way to go. And I know fans, you know, want, want kind of to see that momentum start to build. But I think A&M – did what they needed to do this weekend, held serve, and, and now has some momentum to work up with a very good recruiting staff to, to go along with it. So that'll do it for today. Uh, we'll be back later in the week, obviously, as I mentioned, to preview Arkansas. Thanks again for listening. And uh, be sure to give us a five-star review if you listen on the, the Apple Podcasts and, and hit subscribe on that YouTube button as well to get a notification every time a new video drops. But until next time, have a great start to the week. And and Brian, we'll be back next week again to, to kind of look back at that Arkansas game. And, yep. and I'm sure there'll be a lot to discuss. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.